it would behoove us to choose wisely. I would like to write a little more about this concept and expand it, so like procrastination, it is not all bad or useless. I think that like the continental divide, there are two facets to focus on. Like the divide, water on the west side of the mountain runs into the Pacific, and water on the east side runs into the Gulf or Atlantic. I view one aspect of selfishness as avarice and greed, where if I grab more, you have less, or vice versa. This side results in competition and conflict. What if there were another side of selfishness that had to do with taking care of myself, with no cost to others? An example would be when Ralph Holder began to wind up and rant at his son about dropping the soda can, he interrupted since he realized that he was at the wheel. He smoothed out and said, no problem, while he was mopping up what he could. Isn't that selfish of him to do that, to take better care of himself and feeling better? There was no cost to his son. In fact, it was more of a gift. When Bill Jr. took better care of himself while talking to his father, that was a gift to self, as well as a gift to his dad, since he was not yelling back. It was even mystifying to his wife. Also, when Ellen P. Shoes selfishly took better care of herself, she was more enjoyable to be with, as far as others were concerned. When I look back over my interaction with my clients, I see powerful people presenting themselves as powerless in that other people or circumstances are making them feel bad. The reason they come to talk with me or other professionals is that they want to feel better. Isn't that selfish of them? Of course it is. Much of the time the client was interested in getting some techniques to change others. How do I get my son to do his homework? How can I convince my boss to give me a raise? How can I get my husband to listen to me? How can I get more cooperation in raising the kids? On and on. Stop drinking. Less or more sex. Less temper. Quit smoking, etc. Why do they want other people to change their behavior? So they can feel better. That seems somewhat selfish, and the problem is that they have little or no leverage on others to make that happen. They have gathered a great deal of evidence for their impotence with others yet they remain unaware of the other side of the coin. That others are impotent to make them feel angry, disappointed, good, joyful, hurt, humiliated, etc. Shirley Edge came to see me because her mother-in-law was driving her crazy. She went into detail about her behavior, calling it all hours, criticizing everything she did, drinking too much, and on and on. One of my client's statement was that the mother-in-law had her on the edge, that she was on the verge of going to the booby hatch. After she slowed down a little, I said that it seems like your mother-in-law is in charge of your mental health. She seemed to agree when she responded with, yes, she's got me on the ropes. I then stated that since her mother-in-law was in charge of her feelings, that she should send her mother-in-law to see me and I would tell her how she should act so that you can feel better. She looked askance at me and said the mother-in-law would never come to see me. I then ventured a guess that she was out of luck, 
since the mother-in-law was the source of her problems and would not come to see me. At that point, she slowly said that she guessed it was up to her to learn how to take better care of herself. I responded with, I guess that would be doable, and began sharing ideas based on the idea that she was in charge of herself. Since she began to think of herself as being at the wheel, and hence less vulnerable, she felt better and even saw some humor in some of her mother-in-law's behavior. So what about the possibility of feeling better before others or circumstances take charge? For most people who are envisioning themselves in the back seat with somebody else steering, that would seem not only impossible but ludicrous and ridiculous. With all that discussion, arguing, bribing, pleading, threatening, crying, etc., with no results, it doesn't occur to them that they don't get to vote on somebody else, that they are impotent to change others no matter how hard they try. They would say they are frustrated, not doing frustration, and ready to give up. But when I think they see an opening, they try, try again. If they could understand and accept their impotence with others, and others with them, they could stop doing frustration. Not only that, but it might occur to them that this is a two-way street. If they are unable to change others, wouldn't it make sense that other, the other person is unable to change or affect them? If they had that thought, they could lighten up and take better care of themselves as Shirley did before any changes in others. Radical and impossible? If I gave up trying to uh, get them to act better, they would just get worse. Maybe and maybe not. However, in the meantime, you could feel good. And isn't that what you are after? If the guy with the wheelbarrow can whistle in hell, couldn't you be more gentle and kind to yourself? Bill flipped over to take better care of himself before his father stopped telling him what to do, and effectively selfish change within, which could be a gift to his father, since he wasn't doing anger with his father. In a way, the people who come for help are ineffectively selfish, and since I can't help them, my coaching invitation is to provide tips and hints on how to take better care of themselves to become more selfish. I don't see people who are already effectively selfish in the way they operate themselves. Why would they bother? Perhaps an analogy would be useful. Even if you have never played tennis, I am pretty sure that you know it takes at least two people, two rackets, a can of balls, and a court with a net. A serves or hits the ball to B, and B returns it to A, etc., until one misses, whereupon another ball is put into play. No matter how often people have been playing together on the same court, if one player shows up without his or her racket, it will change the game. They will not play tennis. I don't know what the new game would be called or how it will be conducted, but it will not be tennis. Imagine that player A was without his or her racket. They have not only changed self, but they have changed the game. They have not changed player B at all. However, it is a new game and B will adapt, as will A. 
Bill changed himself. He did not bring his usual racket of pretending that he was at the effect of his father, and his dad will adapt to the new game. Bill's wife recognized that there was a new game, even though she could hardly believe such a quick change. Later, I will refer to this analogy with the topic of marriage. Funky Weaker Bean by Tom Batik. A teacher is addressing her class. Before we get into our discussion of ethics, let's define our terms. Take stealing, for example. When is an action defined as stealing? When you get caught, 